0: Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 465. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M.
1: And I'm Lorraine Sink. Lorraine, how you doing? I'm great. It's fall now, and I don't care about anything except for fall. Give me leaves. Give me spooky stuff. Uh, Give me a a cool chill. Give me a warm PSL. That's all I'm about. A pumpkin spice latte. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, What is that? I don't even know that they're very good, but I just like the season so much. I made a pumpkin donut cake,, mm. which was delicious, fun fact. you just use donut dough to make a cake, and it's good,
0: yeah, it falls the best season. There's no question, especially if you're in like the northeast New York man. it is delightful, so good
1: how How are you doing <sighs>
0: So the baby got up in the middle of the night, and oh, I was so tired that I couldn't keep my eyes open. But I, so I had picked her up instead of like rocking her back to sleep. I had to bring her into the bed, or else I like it would have been a catastrophe. And then we woke up three hours later.
1: That's yeah, it it, it, babies seem hard.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know what? Advice, especially to our two producers listening as we record, and anybody out there. If you're young and you're thinking about having babies at any point in your life, do it when you're
1: young. That's for real.
0: Do it when you're young. Oh, my goodness. But you know what? I wouldn't be able to have Catherine Grace if I did it, you know, if we had a baby when we were younger. And so it all works out. But we're not here to talk about babies or spunkin' pice lattes or... A spunkin' uh, pice. We are here to talk about everything <laughs> happening this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, or more. Uh, Lorraine, there was something something kind of big that happened this uh, previous weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah. There was a the WandaVision trailer! Marvel Studios' WandaVision! <laughs> <laughs> Baby, I mean, we got our first little look at it, I think, in February of this year. You know, we just got it sort of peppered in that initial disney plus but we got our first full 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 trailer and it looks so good i particularly am so obsessed with the look of this show because you're seeing all these sort of like really fabulous costumes and it very much looks like old-timey tv sitcoms through the decades it looks sick
0: yeah i mean you and I have been privileged enough to have some some cool insight into the show, and I was actually surprised by how much they showed in this trailer, yeah. and like how much cool stuff was in there. And it was like, bang, 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 bang. I'm sure tons of people have gone through and dissected it across the oh, internet. Yeah. But man, and seeing the like classic, quote unquote, old school comic book costumes for Vision and uh, Wanda, that was so great. I love that little touch.
1: I'm particularly excited for how like weird it was like that was one of the things that I found the most exciting too from just people who hadn't gotten to see that much of it that was one of the things I really appreciated is I had so many people kind of side messaging me and being like this looks weird and I'm like yeah
0: yeah
1: with that like freaky kind of uh turn to that music that was kind of like old music and used in a creepy way I'm just like bring it and plus it's given me a case of the fall spookies a little bit so i'm into it i'm (laughs) into it yeah
0: uh so definitely if you haven't watched that yet it's up on marvel's youtube and marvel.com and all of our social pages You, you really can't miss it and there are WandaVision social pages for you to follow and uh so much more so get ready for that as it is on its way another big thing this week is that we've got brand new release dates for marvel studios next slate of movies lorraine what do we got
1: yeah, Marvel Studios Black Widow will now land in theaters on May 7th of 2021. We've all seen the trailer and we love it. We can't wait. Marvel Studios Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is going to arrive in theaters on July 9th of 2021 and Marvel Studios Eternals opens in theaters on November 5th of 2021.
0: We are so close to 2021. It's crazy. I just I can't wait now. It's the year is building up. It's going to be fantastic. Everything's going to be wonderful in 2021, Lorraine. Wonderful.
1: It's just one more reason to get through this year.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we, I, we. You know what? Before we even get through that, we have a wonderful thing that dropped this year. It's a brand new article about Hulk hands. Now, if everybody, uh, if you don't know, Hulk hands were these amazing sort of play, in like toys, but they were, you know, like play items.
1: Yeah. They, they're they like... uh. I believe what the kids call them is they're um, like role playing items. So you essentially are you can LARP with hulk cans. They are big yes. foam hole cans that you stick your hand in and wear like a glove and then you can not hit another person with them.
0: but they're so foam you know you can have a lot of fun and you you can they have uh like sound chip in them so when you smash them down they make a variety of different sounds you know hulk smashing and roaring and and all kinds of fun stuff and um my co-host for marvel's Polis podcast tucker marcus has uh spearheaded putting together an oral history of the hulk hands it's been he's been working on this for quite a long time and it's super cool um a lot of it comes from our friend Jesse Falcon who's been on the show a number of times as well as Damon Knee, who um has been at you know toy biz and marvel and and now disney for pretty much as long as Jesse has and was really instrumental into the hulk hands uh i i have in my office set up here um a prototype for the hulk hands that Jesse gave me years ago it's the the hulk It's called hulk gamma rage in parentheses, mean, and it's a, like a voice box for oh. the Hulk hands, and it was how they tested the, the way it would sound and when you smash it and stuff. Um, and so, like, Hulk hands are the coolest thing. So if you want to learn about how these came together, get some really cool insight, definitely go to Marvel.com and check out the Hulk hands oral history.
1: And if you're a toy fan, there's a a lot of cool stuff about just Marvel toys in general. So you'll really enjoy it. And because it's fall, we know it's uh, almost that time of year again. We have some New York Comic Con panels coming our way. It's going to be New York Comic Con X MCM Comic Con Metaverse, which means you're going to get some more uh, comic. Con goodness from home. Uh you can check it out at findthemetaverse.com. So all the panels are going to be free for fans. You don't need a badge or anything, and they're going to air on the New York Comic-Con YouTube channel. Um, and you can also get basically all the info that you need about what's coming up at findthemetaverse.com. So, Ryan, what are what are our panels?
0: Yeah, so it looks like Thursday, October 8th, we have two panels. There's one at 1235. Uh, that is going to be the Women of Marvel panel, which is always uh, a huge one at New York Comic Con and San Diego Comic Con. So this will be a big virtual panel for the Women of Marvel and just our celebration for um, that we've been doing. Gosh, it's been what eleven years now doing Women of Marvel panels. Yeah,
1: it's been it's been a long time. And I do want to call out that that is Eastern Time. Um, so if you're in a different time zone, keep that in mind because it is New York Comic Con, so we are going in Eastern Time.
0: That's right. Good point. And also on Thursday at 1.10 p.m. So basically get a cup of uh, water, get a snack of some cheese and maybe like a handful of mixed nuts and get ready for an hour of Marvel panels. Uh, because at one ten, following Women of Marvel, you're going to have the Ten of Swords panel, which is a big one talking about the giant 22 issue crossover that is happening right now in all the
1: X-Men titles. That is right. Um oh and we also have a panel on Friday uh October 9th at 11:45 a.m. to 12:15 p.m. Eastern Time which is Marvel Venom King in Black cuz it's like real metal, right? Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. It is very metal. <laughs>
1: So this December, darkness is going to rain. So Devin Lewis, Donny Cates, Ryan Steggs, uh, they are going to be giving you everything that you need to know about this new Venom saga, King in Black. Hold on to your waistcoats. You don't know what's coming for you.
0: Uh, everybody in their waistcoats. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be a wild time. Uh, there's also going to be a panel for Marvel's Modok show, the the animated series coming to Hulu. Uh, so stay tuned for that one as well. That's you can find that on um, you know, information on that on the Marvel's Modok social pages and from Jordan Bloom, B L U uh, M, the showrunner. He's been posting about it. So that one is going to be awesome. I, the, all the stuff I've seen for the show and all the little details and like cool stuff that they're packing into this. I can't wait. I'm so excited.
1: I know they this show essentially was for you. I know.
0: Lorraine, can you see my um Modoc uh cube oh, in look my at
1: office? Modoc corner. How nice. Your new setup in your office at home is really lovely. Yeah. I should
0: I, I still have a lot of work to do, um, because most of my comics are in storage. So <laughs> Yeah, I have to figure out like other ways to decorate it and make it look cool but yeah it's working out it's pretty nice it's pretty nice um, alright so that was New York Comic Con but if you want something a little bit sooner Hasbro Pulse Con is actually happening this weekend 25th and 26th of September so there will be Marvel updates we can't spoil them so we will <laughs> give them to you next week but if you want to watch live of course you can hit up Hasbro Pulse on YouTube and follow them on social media to get all the details because they it, it's gonna be Marvel and Star Wars and all the other brands that Hasbro has revealing new things. And I think they have the musical. Um, they have music acts coming they on. They have a
1: musical. They, like, I wish. Welcome to Hasbro PulseCon. Everybody gets a toy.
0: Take in your pulse, take in your pulse, <laughs> take in your pulse at PulseCon. Um, so we can we could give this to them and see if they want to <laughs> workshop that for the next year's <laughs> Pulsecon.
1: Uh, I can only assume the answer is yes. <laughs> oh god <laughs> well to that end it's over uh, so <laughs> let's talk about who we have on the show this week uh, we are going to be talking a bit more about X of Swords slash 10 of Swords slash X of Swords yeah it's
0: very exciting we have Teeny Howard and Pepe Larraz Teeny is the co-writer of the, uh, the sort of like the big tentpole issues the, the first one that came out Gosh, it's out this week. It's so good. I've read it like three yeah. or four times, but weeks ago. And uh, it's so good. <laughs> uh, and she'll be, you know, co-writing with Jonathan Hickman. This one, there's a middle one, and then there's the, the end piece. And Pepe is the amazing artist on those three issues as well. Yes. This first issue is three issues long. I mean... It's Mm -hmm. one issue, but it is 60 pages. It is a big mamma jamma and it's so cool. We talked to them about making tennis swords.
1: About my bangs. Let's not forget my bangs. They were an important part of this. They sure
0: were. Yeah. (laughs) There's a we get into a lot of fun stuff here, just you know, <laughs> and I think if, if we have listeners who are not X Men fans, I'm looking at you, Karis, and you want to like learn about what's going on in the X world. I think this is a great sort of dive into what's going on there, and um, a conversation with two just amazing, wonderful sweethearts who are doing incredible comic books right now. Hello Teeny.
2: Hello Ryan. How are you today?
0: Doing great. Hello, Pepe.
3: Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, we're so excited yeah. for you both to be on the show. So for we want to know, you know, our listeners are getting excited for the big crossover. Please tell us what you do for the big X Men titles. Teeny, let's start with you.
2: I write Excalibur and I am co writing Ten of Swords with Jonathan Hickman.
0: And Pepe?
3: i draw i'm uh, i draw the chapters creation stasis and destruction for ten of swords right now
1: we're having a x of swords uh, party wait do you say x of swords or do you say ten of swords
2: well, I say ten of swords uh which, you know, I guess is a little wonky and it's confused people, but you can just blame uh, X-Men scribe Jonathan Hickman because it was his powers <laughs> of ten. And I looked at that and I said, wait, we can do that? <laughs> so get ready for House of a Thousand when we do House of M again. No, I'm kidding. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so if it is the then Ten of Swords, what uh, tell us now, what are the Ten of Swords?
2: Oh, <laughs> ten of them. No, uh, I cannot. I, I, I will not. But I I will tell you that uh, the Ten of Swords is a reference to the tarot, the mysterious and uh, beloved tarot that, uh, you know, people have used for years to seek answers about themselves and the future and the past and the world around us. And the Ten of Swords is the culmination of the suit of swords. It represents the end of something and a a great betrayal. So uh, what it means in reference to our story, you'll have to come along and see.
1: How did Ten of Swords, you know, how did it all come together?
2: You know, it's funny because it's like there actually was like a a moment where we realized kind of this is what was happening. Um, But honestly, I came into the X Room when I read Jonathan's original story Bible and all that before House and Powers had even come out. I got to read about kind of the the overarching uh, story of what Jonathan was doing. And, And when I first read that, I was like, oh. I want to talk about Apocalypse. <laughs> like <laughs> this is the boy that's gotten everything he ever wanted, right? Like so I wanted to tell this story about Apocalypse and uh Jonathan also, you know, had a story he wanted to tell about that character and about some of the things that we that I had also been doing in Excalibur and some things that he had wanted to do with Mutantkind. and we just kind of like I guess realized that thematically a lot of what we were doing could support each other and could bolster each other and in some ways it was like kind of the same thing but like to his credit when I was like hey I want to do this thing and we're both kind of doing the same thing you know instead of him saying like, back off, this is my story. He was like, well, we both have passions about this and we both want to do it well. So let's do it together, which I was super excited about. I love working with everyone in the X office. I love working with Jonathan. And it was my first time getting to work with Pepe, which has blown my mind because he is such an incredible artist.
0: Let's say we have listeners here who aren't reading any of the X books. And, you know, they, they, they come to you and they're like, you know, how, how do you pitch this title to them? You know, both from both of your perspectives, you know, because Pepe, you're reading the scripts and, and going through and then putting this together. And then, Teeny, you you know, you just talk about working with Jonathan. We I even know we have some listeners who have tried out X-Men titles because of us talking about them here on this show and some of our other shows. So if they're like, OK, I want to get into the X-Books because of Ten of Swords. How do you all pitch it to them?
2: One thing I've said that, uh, you know, I could get really into the like the cerebral magical thinking, high-level stuff. But the honest like, truth of so much of this is one of the greatest joys of writing Excalibur and then getting to do Ten of Swords, which is this event that is very tied to our Excalibur book. If you haven't been reading it, um, that's okay. But you might get even more out of Ten of Swords if you want to check that one out too. But uh, if you haven't been reading it, it's, it's the... As a person that, you know, loves fantasy and and video games and all that, there's a real childlike thrill to just getting to see characters you love equip cool weapons and do cool stuff and face like this massive challenge. They're going to be challenged both together and individually in a lot of different ways. So you'll get to see really cool interior moments with your favorite characters and also these big sweeping battles that we've come to expect from uh, Marvel Comics events. These big gorgeous, you know, Pepe Laross spreads of <laughs> of people just uh, laying into each other with swords and looking amazing. Um, so, yeah, uh, you've seen the art, you know that. But I'll say definitely it's going to be a really, really great event if you want that feeling where you feel like all your favorite characters get a moment and they get to come together. There's a lot of that fun and fantasy. You're going to see characters with swords and goblets and dragons and princesses and all the awesome stuff that you want. Like, if what you want is, man, I just want to pick up this book and see some X-Men fight with swords and some cool fantasy stuff, you got it. You're going to love it.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, it's what uh, Tini said, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) No, what what we tried to do, I think, is... is, um or at least uh, my party was giving that a very visual identity. Like uh, a lot of time when I post some some art of uh, Ten of Swords in in the social network, a lot of comments is like, okay, I don't know what is going on, but I want to read it. (laughs) So (laughs) the thing is like, they created these, these characters, I portrayed them and we tried to give them like a very visual identity, very clear and very specific and very attractive. And one of the things I think is very important, is like the the cover of the the second issue I did is entirely made of the bad guys, the villains, and maybe you have seen one or two of those villains, but the rest is just new characters and people like it a lot. So for me it was like like a test, like okay, uh, we are doing something right because they don't know these characters because usually people go for the characters they know. It's like okay, it has Wolverine on the cover, so I'm gonna get it. But this one it was you uh, know it was very risky. I was surprised because they accepted the idea of the villains, but they they like that a lot. So it's like okay, we are doing something nice. It has some kind of identity and people can recognize that. Like okay, this is Egyptian, this is Ten of Swords. It's gonna be like that.
1: So far it's also awesome and beautiful and sweeping and like what is it like you know getting to work with the other creators there are so many creators that are working on the x titles that are all sort of crossing over together pepe what is it like for you kind of having that feedback uh with the story and the creators and teeny what is it like working with the other creators themselves
3: the the main thing when you do a story like that, and I've been doing like this kind of uh, events for some years by now, is uh, for me it's uh, references. Uh, like <laughs> I, I need a lot of references all the time. Like okay, I don't know. I need folders and folders full of characters and and who is who and who is gonna do what and we have a change of uniforms and and it's it's the 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 reference craziness (laughs) i have some some artists that uh, they write to me instead of the editors to get the reference (laughs) sometimes (laughs) like the the i think it was stefano Casselli like hey i heard you you draw some this kind of character can you email it to me and and we were talking about that so it was like uh, kind of mess in and fantastic at the same time because i think comics are most of all uh Above all, is collaboration. I mean, uh, American comics especially is collaboration. Uh, it's, uh, we are alone in our rooms doing comics, but we are in contact with uh, all the people and, and, and we try to do this uh, like a common effort. And I think it's the most beautiful part of it. The, the feedback by by by, by teens fantastic all the time because it's like ah, I love it. <laughs> you said something and suddenly she is like ah. <laughs> I, I, I really love that. I, I'm at home. It's like okay, it worked. It worked. <laughs>
2: well, that's good. I'm glad I'm not too enthusiastic. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I've been a fan of of your work for a long time, and this is the first time I've, I've gotten an opportunity to do some some writing for you. So that was really really mind-blowing and I think it's really good that um, Pepe talked about the artists kind of the way he did because the writers we've been kind of the same but like we did the event this way because this is how we wanted to do it like that's one thing that really rules about working um, in the X-Men office right now is that we really feel really really free to pitch our best ideas and to work on things in the way that really works for us. And we we did the event this way because this is, you know, this is how we wanted to do it. Not because we felt we had to stretch it out or or make it into anything. It was just like we all are telling the story together. Every single one of us are exhausted (laughs) right now because on top of our regular X-Men and other comic making duties at Marvel, we also are you know when you work together on something, it's like you're all checking each other's work, and you're all inspiring each other, and you're saying, "Hey, oh my gosh, I forgot I put in this line. I'm doing this lettering pass, and I put this line that this character would refer this character that you were supposed to name. What did you end up naming them? <laughs> like it's blank right now. You know stuff like that, like <laughs> of that stuff of, of of having to pull from each other. And, and I think what Pepe said about the art is really interesting too, because just like you know Jonathan and I uh, are kind of like shepherding the event, um, and we've got you know, of course, Jordan White and Annalise and Lauren and Mark and all our amazing editors uh, who are working harder than maybe anyone. Um, On top of that, Pepe is also kind of, you know, when he was talking about designs, how we've got things where we go to artists and we say, hey, like, you're the visual director of this part. So what do you want this to look like? Because somebody else is going to build off that. But this is your area for visual direction. And like, okay, we want this person to design this aspect of the event that is going to be referenced again and again by the numerous artists that are working on this event. Who do we want to design this aspect? Because everyone's going to have to copy it. So what is this person best at or strongest at? And we do a lot of the same thing too. Like if you read Jonathan's writing and you read my writing, you know that we write about a lot of very wildly different things, but like we get each other thematically a lot. So it's really fun working with Jonathan because it's very much like, He's like, all right. I did logos. You do prophecies. Like, like, <laughs> like <laughs> that's very much the Jonathan and I working uh, thing. Is like did a lot of the very like big uh, structural, you know, Hickman stuff.
0: You know, one of the things you mentioned, Teeny, was like the way that y'all are putting this event together, and I think that's an important thing to explain because that's one of the things I love about this event and leading up to it and getting like hyped for it your hell week is my like i'm getting ready for christmas because (laughs) from a structure perspective it's set up like the big old x-men crossovers from when i was a kid you know like my favorite is executioner song and it was like a hand like one book would go to another creative team and like the story would continue from book to book to book and i love i love that structure um do both of you have favorite like classic x-men crossovers
2: one of my favorite X-Men storylines of all time, like, I I was always, like, a really... I always liked the weird side books. Like, I'm a huge X-Factor fan, right? Um, uh, and I write Excalibur, right? Like, I always loved huge, weird books. And then would be like, oh, <laughs> there's an <laughs> event going on, right? So that's a weird question for me because I was never sure. in a... That wasn't the kind of X-Men reader I was. I wasn't, yeah. like, a pickup event X-Men reader. I was, like, a, I'm reading x-factor and ecstatics and excalibur and like weird stuff but it's cool because with ten of swords you don't have to be that kind of x-men reader to enjoy this event
3: yeah, it's, it's funny because I, I was one of the readers that get, get to the x-men because of a uh, crossover it was uh, age of apocalypse and oh, yeah i mean i was thinking about one of the cool oh that's ones, that's, the, that's the right answer was. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I was I was trying to find one of the classic ones because they look so good, like no, oh, the executioner song or something like that that looks like you are a cultivated person. And but no, I I, I went with Age of Apocalypse <laughs> with the <laughs> with the manga stuff with Madureira and all the stuff. And that brought me into the X Men. I I started I, I bought the X Men Alpha thing and uh, and then I I tried to buy everything <laughs> of uh, Age of <laughs> Apocalypse and then I decided what the series I want to keep reading or, or not but it was like buying a Grated Hits uh, grated hits uh, record of a band like okay I don't know about this band so I'm gonna get everything <laughs> in, in, a, in a solo record and, and, uh, and I can listen to that so for me this has some kind of full circle because now I'm doing the, the event and I and I hope some people get to the X Men because of uh, Ten of Swords because I think it's it's really like 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 Tina said it's like you don't have to be that kind of reader you can just jump in and I think it's pretty clear to to follow.
1: Um, I'm really excited to see all of the characters that you guys get to play with. I'm really ex- just like curious to see who are going to be your sort of main heroes and your main villains for this big crossover.
3: I can tell you who I like to draw, like, most. <laughs> and usually it's, the, it's the, the female character that has the, the bangs.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm talking about.
3: In, in Extermination, I was like crazy with uh, with uh, the Joan Jean girl because she has the bangs. This is something I realized lately, and previously in Avengers, when I was doing Uncanny Avengers, I was like crazy with Rogue because she has the bangs. And now I'm crazy <laughs> with magic. Because it has the, So I think I had, it has something to do with that. I don't know why, but, but it is. I mean, it's a reality. No, we I, keep,
1: I, we yeah. keep magic in our bangs.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's easier because it makes a line, so it's easier to, to fit the, the eyes and everything. And it helps me a lot with that.
2: I was I was going to say when they were like what well, do you have a favorite character to draw I was going to be like magic is it magic because you draw the hell out of magic like your, every <laughs> single magic you draw is like the best magic I've ever seen so. you,
3: you, you see that I draw magic every chance I have it's like oh, you have to make a cover for a free comic book day okay can I draw magic and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's going to be magic I mean yeah of course and the way uh, the way you you write her the the dialogues the, she's so tough and at the same is so weird and <laughs> <It's> so funny <laughs> and uh, it, it, it gets to life. I mean, it's the first time in my life I draw magic, and I feel like I get the character in a, in just in a in a moment. It's like it's perfect. Uh, you you guys uh, write her like perfect.
2: She's my. Fun little dirtbag girl. I love her. <laughs> dirt, I love a dirtbag girl with a sword.
1: <laughs> so, Tini, who are some of the, the heroes and villains um, that you're excited to play with? Well, I waited
2: with bated breath to see Pepe draw Saturnine for the first time, and it blew me away. Um, I love Saturnine. She's a character that I've really gotten to kind of elevate from former <laughs> former Glory and Captain Britain and Excalibur stories. She hasn't featured a lot in much else of the X-Men mythos, but I uh, I wanted to change that. I love her. Um, I've been using her a lot in Excalibur. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've been using her a lot in Excalibur if you've been reading, and if you've been paying attention to the Ten of Swords uh, of press and that fabulous trailer, you'll, uh, you'll definitely get to know more of her. I really have just had the time of my life building what we've been building in Excalibur and Ten of Swords. And like, Saturnine is such a huge part of that. And part of it was because like, she's a character other people have written before, sure. But like, she never I don't know, I I feel like I it's one of the first times in my career that I'm like taking a character that nobody really cared about and really elevating them into something that's really important to me. And I think really important to the X-Men and the Marvel Universe as a whole. Um, And I'm just having a blast with it like i love i love apocalypse and betsy very very much i love jubilee very very much i love rogue and gambit all the characters i write and i've gotten to write some characters that i don't ordinarily get to write but like really i have such a deep deep love for saturnine and what i'm getting to do with her and and yeah
3: i think it's 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 complicated that the first time i drew saturnine it was like okay um it's in in that page you see in the free comic book day And then it was evolving, and when you see it in Stasis, uh, I draw her in a very different way, which is bad, because I I feel I have to keep, like, kind of continuity. But as you go getting the hang of the character and you go understanding her more and more, he demands to be drawn in a certain way. Like, Mm -hmm. she she demands to be, like, kind of... This kind of uh, nobility, also a bit... um, but not that much, like, cunning. And this feeling of, you cannot touch me. (laughs) It's like, okay.
2: It's kind of interesting because she is evolving, but, like, she's also literally evolving. Like, we have looked at her for years as she was portrayed, you know, the Alan Davis version and the old Captain Britain comics. And so it's, like, it's interesting that as we give her a story to uh, change her and evolve her as a character, that it makes sense that her visual... Um, language would evolve too, you know? And I I love that we both have, like, as I get to know her more, I feel like I can write her, like, when you, I feel like sometimes when I first start writing a character, it's really intimidating, and I feel like I have to be really formal about it. But then, like, as I get to know them more and more, and love them more and more more and more, it gets a little more like, I've had a glass of wine, let's talk to Saturnine, and see what, learn (laughs) some Saturnine pages, right? It's like, you know, you get to know them so well, and I love that.
0: I also want to know some more about some of the new characters and like, what, what's their deal? How do you guys come up with the creation? Because if you're, you know, dozens or, you know, 10 or more characters that are, we're being introduced to here. Is it like teeny's like, I've got five characters. I really want to see in this. And Jonathan's got two. And Pepe's like, I have this idea for a look. How does that work for, for all of you to create characters for something that is so, you know, so collaborative
2: uh it's so not strict and I feel like that's how like really good collaborative environments are it's just like I think we started coming up with them the last time we were all in a room together maybe it was actually I think it was the time before that I don't think it was even the last retreat I think it was the retreat before that where we started formulating what became Ten of Swords and uh brainstorming all that in the room but you know we talked about it and it's like one of the good things about a room is that it's so collaborative so like we sit around in the room and we just like wrap we just like you know bounce things off each other and talk and then it would be like okay jonathan's gonna go draw up the rules or the list or the, the the team or whatever we need from the conversation we had but yeah i mean there's a lot of like we all just talk together and then one of us is like okay this is what i wrote up based on our conversation
3: i'm gonna tell you something that i think i never told in, a, in an interview is like the the way the um, the four horsemen were designed at they, they showed up in uh, House of X number two, in, uh, in a scene with Apocalypse. And uh, I just read in the script, like, uh, there is the, the first horseman, I say, Oh, I have to design those guys. He's <laughs> like, Oh, I have to design these guys today. <laughs> and I have to design all of them in an hour or something. So I made these super complicated designs. Thinking about, okay, and if anyone else has to draw them, it's not my problem. (laughs) Super complicated designs with all this kind of stuff around the neck and all the, you know, the holding thing. Super cool, super nice, but when you do a design, you try to be practical and, and when you have to move it, you have to be practical. You have to make a gorgeous design, but at the same time, you have to be able to move it and to draw it faster. So I was thinking, like, okay, I'm not the guy that is going to draw these guys anymore. So it was <laughs> my surprise that <laughs> it turned out I was the guy who has removed them.
2: They're going to get some <laughs> idiot to draw these guys again. Exactly.
3: That was my thing. And I was like, I, I don't care about that guy. And it was me. Uh,
2: so. <laughs> well, I'm very glad that it's you drawing them again and again, despite you screwing yourself over. I'm just glad that you're drawing them so much. More or
3: less, they have been the same, but uh, at some points I've been removing some kind of the... Um... You know the jewelry and everything. Like okay, this is goes out and this is not not important. That's
2: realistic though. Like I know when I go into battle, my earrings are the first thing to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I gotta start popping nails off. If the shoes have heels, they gotta go. I mean that just makes sense. You know sometimes you get like involved in a look and then like you're like dancing and you're like this yeah. necklace is too heavy. I gotta put it in my purse. That's just realistic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know as people are starting to get ready for this event and. And getting up on their reading, what would you recommend that people check out to get them primed for the first book?
2: I mean, I'm gonna say Classic Excalibur and Captain Britain if you like that stuff. Like, you won't, you don't have to know that stuff. Like, part of my job is reading all that old stuff because I love it and then, like, highlighting the stuff that I think is coolest so you go back and check it out right like if you guys read Saturnine stuff and you're like she's super cool oh my god she sounds amazing she's the coolest voice I've ever heard um (laughs) you like if you want to go back and learn more about Saturnine then like that's there for you in the Captain Britain Excalibur books but you don't need it um but I will say if you're gonna read Ten of Swords you might be a little confused if you haven't read any of the current Excalibur (laughs) (laughs) um but you should Betsy Braddock is Captain Britain now and I think she's doing a great job
0: Pepe you mentioned you have like folders and folders of of, you know resources and stuff what's the most fun like books for you to go back to as you're prepping for a story like Ten of Swords
3: well this is something that happens to me a lot That um, I don't think I have all the culture on on American comics that I should (laughs) actually I'm gonna confess that uh, I'm reading uh, New X-Men now
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, but are you enjoying it? It's one of my favorite yeah, books. I mean,
3: yeah. it's blowing my head off, but, but I'm reading it now, which is like, okay, I should have read this uh, like thousands of years ago, but yeah, I'm reading it now. I'm reading okay, the but... new, new Mutants now. Like, yeah. they've Yeah, the that stuff. means you get to
2: enjoy all these amazing comics for the first time though, which is yeah, so cool because I know sometimes it's like you wish you could go back and read something for the first time. So I love mm-hmm. when my friends do that because I'm just like, oh, tell me when you get to this part. It's so good.
3: <laughs> I, I just keep, going in the internet and and keeping the images that suggest something. When I'm looking for an idea or something for a design or something, I'm just keeping images that kind of suggest something. It's not, I'm going to copy them, but they bring ideas to me. So I have a folder that is something for later. (laughs) It's like images for later that I'm going to use them at some point. They, they give me good ideas. But I don't know exactly for what. It's like, okay, I need this, and I did this, 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 and it's just my Pinterest all the time.
1: Do you just keep Marvel art, or do you sometimes you're just like, I need some pictures of dragons?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> I, I, I try to not to look into comics that much when I'm oh. looking for ideas. I, I try that. to look out of the box. Um,
2: you try to get inspiration from other art so yeah, that exactly. comics isn't just people making comics and drawing comics that are based on comics, you look at art and style and and theater and movies and things in the other world that inspire you. Totally. I do that too.
3: Fashion or even like fashion, like post-apocalyptic fashion, there is a thing, if you look for post-apocalyptic fashion, there's a lot of pictures of people with amazing (laughs) things. Especially
2: these days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah.
2: (laughs) The reference instead of the design is a really good way to put it. Like, that's much more clear for artists than it is writers but as a writer it's like I'm kind of trying to do the same thing you know where it's like I love when I write for an artist and instead of saying you know she closes one eye and turns the corner of her mouth up it's like she winces like she's not sure if this is a good idea you know and like an artist who's like yeah I know what that looks like we get it like we both because then it feels like working with Marcus Tonic's caliber is like this too like it feels like you know you guys know these characters together like they're like your your friends that you're showing to the rest of the world and you're like you know like I love getting with Archer it's like you know how she is and it's like oh yeah she gets like that it's like she's not real we're creating her but (laughs) um but like you get to like you know these people so yeah like it's like if I were telling you about Lorraine or Ryan I could just show you a picture and give you their first and last name or I could tell you about what kind of people they are and like why I like them and that stuff.
1: a a lot of trouble
0: (laughs) 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 um what is how how do you see the x-men and has that changed you know just the overall sort of like the greater x-men has that has your perspective on the x-men changed as you've gone through some of you know the biggest changes that the the characters have gone through and the way that our fans perceive them like this is a huge time for the x-men Has that changed the way you look at these characters?
3: I think the the main um, difference we can find with the today's X-Men from yesterday's X-Men, if you can call it that way, it's like they are not so concerned about fitting in the world, but doing their own version of the world. I think this is the, the main thing, the, the main change. Like they, they don't try to fit anymore. They don't try to ask for permission to live and to coexist they don't uh, they are not asking for that anymore and and that is like upsetting a lot of people i understand but i think it's a um, it's a very logical path for them to to follow
2: yeah i mean one of one of my favorite x-men eras uh x-men books and frankly one of my favorite marvel comics is morrison quietly's new x-men um and i that was the that was like I had read a lot of, like, weirder X-Men books before that, but never really connected to the main team until that book. And that's when I was like, oh, oh, I love the main team because they're, like, confident and they have power and influence. And, like, they feel like, you know, a little bit like the punk rock Avengers, right, where it's like, they they're superheroes but they're they're hated and feared and they're like well we don't care we know what's best anyway um, as a scorpio i love that as a scorpio <laughs> the idea of being hated and feared but of people having to defer to me because i know what's best is literally my fantasy <laughs> <laughs> so uh I love the X-Men for that reason, but so my favorite X-Men stories are always ones where they have power, even if it's, like, things like, you know, horrible futures where it's like, oh, no, I love, you know, Age of Apocalypse and stuff like that. Like, I love, I love stories where mutants have power, um, and they aren't as held down and limited by their oppressors, Um, so from the beginning, like, when, when Jonathan asked me to, like, come on and be a part of this relaunch, like, he sent me this story Bible, and, like, literally at the top of it was like if you hate this don't do it like if you like i know this is a cool opportunity but if you read this and you're like this isn't the x-men i want them to live in westchester and run from sentinels and that's the only x-men to me which is a valid take that a lot of fans have like then this isn't the gig for you and i read it and i was like this is absolutely the gig for me because those other mutant stories are the ones that i feel less connected to like the biggest thing for me the thing that i came to the very first x-men room with the thing that i sat down and said this is the thing i want to talk about and if you don't know what the if you guys don't want this then i gotta go back to the drawing board was the idea of mutants building a culture of things that had been denied to them in cultural development like i'm gonna like not to get too much into anthropology and stuff but the idea of magic as a cultural practice that develops in a culture like before we figure out to ha- that, that we want to have doctors for our sick and farmers to grow crops, there's just kind of wise people in a society who do these kind of mysterious things, right? Like maybe it's just something like healing your cold with tea, but maybe it's in some cultures, it's something more mysterious. Um, and in mutant culture, where the ability to do the fantastic is, you know, every day, um, what does that powerful, empowered culture of magic that's been lost to them, what is that, right? So that's, like, super nerdy cerebral stuff. And, like, if you read Excalibur, you're like, there's, like, a dragon and swords in it. There's, like, a cute girl in armor cutting people's heads off. Well, what is all this? And it's like, I know. That's, that's the fruit of the other stuff. Like, the, the, the anthropological stuff was... That's the stuff that Jonathan and I talk about because it bores everyone else, I think. <laughs> Except for Jonathan and I. And then we go and we write stories about people with swords, uh, with it. But like, in a very real way, like to this this is the there is no other era of the X-Men I would rather be a part of. If I were a fan right now, I would be absolutely like banging at the door like that Eric Andre gif <laughs> screaming, trying to get in. Like uh This is the most awesome. Storytelling environment I've gotten to like be a part of as a group, and I, I love it. Like, I like Viva Kurkawa, I love it here. <laughs> and, like, you Viva know, Krakawa. also, I mean, yeah, and then I, I mean, I guess you know, uh, there's also that aspect of, for me at least, right now. The idea of being able to just walk into a gate of flowers and be in a beautiful place with all of my loved ones reunited again and outside and we can hug and kiss and it's everyone I've missed and we get drinks and the, the weather is beautiful outside. That is just the ultimate fantasy for me right now. And I think it's the <laughs> ultimate fantasy for a lot of people. So one of the nice things about this era is everything else that's going on I love all the scenes of people just sitting in hot tubs on Krakoa together <laughs> because that's all I want to be doing right now <laughs> just hanging out with my
1: beloved friends in a beautiful place and hug them. So besides the the potential hot tubbing, um, what are you most excited for uh, fans to see when the first book hits?
3: Well, for me, it's, I cannot reveal anything But it has uh, some of the biggest scenes I've I've done. And and I have this thing when I read the script that when when the script tells me something is really big, I want to make it even bigger. (laughs) So we have this guy
2: using
3: using the powers, it's like, no, 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 he's going to use the powers. Like, (laughs) boom. And I try to to find a way of making more, even louder. Um, and everything. So in the first one, it's like I don't think I can go louder than than that in, with my.
1: Turn it up to eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Teeny, is there a certain thing that you're excited for fans to see?
2: Um, I have been trying to avoid, but exposed to a few attempts of people really trying to read the tarot that was provided in uh, the Free Comic Book Day issue. Um, I'm really, really excited. To see if people feel like the reading is accurate. And if they felt like, oh, I should have guessed that based on the tarot reading. Or if they're like, oh, the reading spoiled that, you know.
0: Um, We've got to let y'all go to keep making comics. Um, And uh, thank you so much for being on the show. And talking about Ten of Swords and uh, being wonderful sweethearts.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: All right! Big thanks again to Teeny and Pepe. Uh, if you haven't yet picked up Ten of Swords, what is it? Creation.
1: Ten of Swords Creation number one came out last Wednesday. So if you haven't read it, go read it. It's so delightful. And then look out for all of the more books. <laughs>
0: Yes. Uh, X Factor comes out next week, uh, which is wild and cool. And then like more parts, there's 22 parts to this big boy and it's really freaking cool. Let us now move into our community section, starting with our question of the week, because next week we're going to have on Jean Luen Yang, who is the writer for the new Shang-Chi series, which I've read the first issue and the, the script for the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I read scripts for issues two and three. It's really good. It's really, really good.
1: It's really, really fun. I'm excited to talk about it next week because I think people, I, I think they're gonna really like like the Shang Chi, uh, swagger.
0: Yes, the the scene in the um in the bakery in the the yeah! first issue is like wow. I'm all about it. It's so good. Uh, but with that in mind, we want to know, who is your favorite Marvel Marshall artist? Let us know. You can tweet your answers using hashtag This Week in Marvel, email them to TwinPodcast at Marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thisweekinmarvel. Lorraine, do you have a favorite Marvel Marshall artist?
1: Um, for some reason, every time you say it, I keep thinking of my friend Marshall York. Um <laughs> And he is an artist, but he is not my favorite martial artist. No offense to him. I mean, Shang-Chi is making a a way into my heart, but I think old school, I'm probably going to go Colleen Wing. I just think Mm. she's super dope and I love a lady with a bladey.
0: Oh, yeah. That's a great choice. Um, I'm kind of torn between Elektra and Daredevil because like Daredevil, there's a lot of boxing in there, but he is he's a good punch kicker. And Electra is, I mean, she's Electra. She's freaking great.
1: I mean, the Psy. La Psy, am I right? She's, <sighs> she, she, uh, man, she kills real good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she kills real good. We'll put that on the next uh, collection of Electra stories.
1: Yeah. <laughs> she's got a little bumper sticker that says, Honk if you kill real good. <laughs>
0: Oh boy. Uh oh, there's an issue of Secret Avengers coming up with basically opens with Elektra and Doctor Strange getting down and like it's happening and it oh. is. Oh. It is wild.
1: I that I would not put those two together.
0: No, you know what? Strange bedfellows as they say.
1: Well, on that note, you can tweet us your answers using hashtag This Week in Marvel. You can email them to us at twinpodcast at marvel.com. Or you can send us a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. Talk to us. We like you.
0: Yeah. Speaking of people we like, let's go to our community with the Kawhi Prince at Colin J. Colin J. says, I'm not sure Psylocke's side sideblade has a name, but that's my favorite. It seems very convenient. You don't have to carry anything, not even a hilt. When you materialize it from your mind, it is great for travel. And Colin is, of course, referring to our question of the week from last week, which is what is our what is your favorite Marvel sword or just weapon in general?
1: Yeah, a sideblade is the only sword that you can bring on an airplane.
0: <laughs> Hopefully. Do you, have you seen the wrong Missy?
1: I haven't. What's that?
0: Oh, it's uh, Lauren Lapkus is. Um,
1: she, oh yeah yeah yeah! I want to see this.
0: Um, but she, she has a. What do you call? Would you have a dog? Emotional support dog, uh-huh. right? She has an emotional support blade, which is just a giant <laughs> knife that she carries on a plane. <laughs> it's great.
1: Oh, chef's kiss. Our next message via Facebook was from Jenny Huang who said, I love the podcast. My favorite weapon is Daredevil's cane. Just being tripped by a cane is painful. And you're you're not wrong. Um, my when we were kids, we used to have this like cane stand, um, because my my dad hurt his knee. And so my brother and I would like fence with them and my mother was like, Well, we can't have nice things and this has to be taken away because <laughs> you keep hurting each other.
0: It makes sense. Also, Daredevil's cane is like weighted. And so he, he has like metal at the end. So when he throws it, it's really just painful as crap, I would assume.
1: Yeah. And he's got a cable in it to garrote people. I mean, to swing from building to building. <laughs>
0: yes. Uh, we got another one on our Facebook page. This one came from Damon Bozer, who says, My favorite part of the Avengers game is the somewhat slow origin of mental organism designed only for killing. In all the TV and books, he always came across to me as goofy. But in the game, he comes across actually threatening. The rest of the story explains what happened in the five years following A-Day. And then he wanted to find your username on PSN. Can you spell it out, Lorraine?
1: Yes, it is Ms. M-S. Marvel. You know how to spell that. 616. The numbers. The numbers. Not the letters. Yeah.
0: Um, Damon... You need to read more MODOK stories. One of the things I love about MODOK is, yes, he could be goofy, but he's also weird and sad and funny and creepy and can be very dangerous and very cool.
1: And this is my TED talk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, if they ever called me to do a TED talk about MODOK, I am ready.
1: Oh, boy. But truly, M.O.D.O.K. is a a great character and and a little bit creepy. All right. One
0: more in here. We have a tweet from Amanda at Ah Francis. She says, if WandaVision isn't about when she creates her children out of the parts of Pandemonium's soul so that he recaptures them into baby arms, I don't want it. And then she asks us to do a deep dive into that story at some point.
1: Uh, We may do that at some point. I, I win TBD.
0: But man... I just want to talk about pandemonium for an hour because that guy is B-O-N-K-E-R-S bonkers.
1: I really feel like the name says it all. <laughs> pandemonium. I don't,
0: I don't know that it does because if you just say to somebody, oh man, you know, I love the villain pandemonium, they're like, okay. But then you show them that he has tiny little demon hands and like that's his thing. Then all the questions start coming. All the confusion starts coming.
1: It's great. It causes pandemonium. <laughs> oh
0: boy! And on that note, this episode of This Week in Marvel is produced by Percy Verlin, Zachary Goldberg,
1: Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton, and
0: Jill Duboff is our director of audio.
1: And special thanks to this week's sponsor, Pandemonium's Baby Arms. Do you have baby arms? No, I
0: don't want like that. No, I want that oh, creepy little baby arms. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And this is Marvel
1: your universe.